Take your scriptures as they descend and turn to the book of Psalm, chapter 37, please. Psalm 37, and a delight to have all of you in worship today. Special delight to have the Pearson family and Barrett, and Barrett, I didn't remember your last name, so uh, Michael and Jane and Trita and Regina and Alexander, all the way from Greer, South Carolina. This family has been family, uh, friends of our family for a long, long time, and they have been faithful to our friendship even at times when we've been a little delinquent. But to the Pearsons and to Barrett, we welcome you. Thank you for being here today. And then my sister Lystra is here somewhere. And Lystra, where are you? Yeah, here's Lystra over here. And Lori's here too, assistant law. And, and the boys, are they with you also? In the back. Lystra lives in Anderson, South Carolina. She's my younger sister, and she celebrated her birthday yesterday. And she was <clears throat> years old. Glad that she's here. And Chuck and Jackie's here too, and mom and dad, and we'll just go on and on, but I'm glad that all of you are here today. I, I want to begin a series of lessons entitled, Get a Grip. You know what that means? Turn to your neighbor and say, get a grip. Get a grip. I can tell some of you need to get a grip. You didn't do what I asked you. Like, okay, anyhow. But I want to talk today about getting a grip on stress. Psalm 37, verse 1. Are you there? Say Amen. And this is how it reads. You may follow on the screen if you'd like. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Say amen to that. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Can we say amen to the word? Would you, would you reach your hands in my direction and offer a prayer for me this morning that the Lord would give me that anointing, that liberty to be a blessing to you? Could you do that for me now and I'll do it for you. Father, I thank you for the powerful song and singing. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us favor to come to your house again. And Lord, in the midst of all the chaotic and stress-filled things in our lives, thank you that you are the calm in our storm. And so may the Word of God find good soil in our hearts. Amen, church? Father, some of this we will have heard before in another way or context, and some of it may be new. But however it comes to us, let us be vessels that receive your Word and get filled with your presence so that our lives are changed in others. Lord, I expect great things because you're a great God. And I thank you for everyone present today. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you, and you may be seated. I do encourage you, as Pastor Jeff observed earlier, that if you are interested in church membership, that you join me on this coming Wednesday evening in room A103 at 7 o'clock, while the adult Bible study will take place here and ministry elsewhere. I'll be teaching on church membership. And also giving opportunity next Sunday. 
Have you ever uh, seen the warning label on an item that reads these words, caution, content under great pressure? Seen it? Sure you have. Aerosol cans, metal containers, fire extinguishers, bottles. There, there are even t-shirts that you can buy that says, caution, content under great pressure, t-shirts. I need one of those. We all feel stress and pressure at times, don't we? Pressure on coming from the outside produces stress on the inside. And you won't live very long in your teen life and your young adult life without realizing that stress is no respecter of persons. From the multimillionaire to the child in school, everyone experienced some degree of stress from a host of sources. I don't have a clinical de- definition, but I have one that I think you can relate to when we talk about this word stress and what it means. Stress is a state of mental, physical, and emotional tension. It can be defined as the wear and tear our bodies experience as we adjust to a changing environment and life circumstances. I used to think when I was younger that I would be the exception to the rule about getting older and the aches and pains that go with that, the limitations. I used to think that uh, I wouldn't be one of those that would grumble and complain about hurting in places you didn't even know you had in your body when you get older. My wife is praying diligently that as I get older, I don't get grouchier, if that's a word, but you know what it means. But life circumstances comes to all of us. Our environment changes and and so we, we go through this thing called stress. Now, some stress, the right measure of stress, can be productive. The right portion of stress can help you to meet deadlines, can help you to accomplish goals, and it can be helpful. But too much stress is toxic, wouldn't you agree? In preparation for this lesson and doing a little bit of research and reading, I was able to reflect on some things I'd heard before, and some of this you know that prolonged stress contributes to heart disease, high blood pressure, even stroke and cancer and other illnesses are the product of too much stress. We're told that stress will often weaken the immune system and even cause us to suffer from many serious diseases. Tranquilizers, antidepressants, and anti-anxiety medications account for one-fourth of all the prescriptions written by doctors in the United States each year. Nearly half of all American workers suffer from symptoms of burnout. We're told that an estimated one million workers are absent on an average workday because of stress-related issues. Further, 40%, it is estimated that 40% of worker turnover is due to job stress. It's all around us. One study concluded that the 
unmanaged reactions to stress were a more dangerous risk factor for cancer and heart disease than either cigarette smoking or consumption of high cholesterol foods. And I like to deal with numbers when I think about these things. So a few more numbers, if you will. Up to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are stress-related complaints. As many as 80% of industrial accidents, accidents on the job, are due to stress. We're told that over 50% of lost work days are related to ever-increasing stress on the job. Stress-related disorders cost American businesses over $150 billion annually. So it causes us to ask another question, and that is, what causes stress? And some of you are thinking, you're sitting beside me right now, but don't, don't say it. According to a survey conducted among a certain select group of people, these were some numbers that help us understand what causes stress. For example, those surveyed said 36% of their stress came from work. Somebody else said 32% or another group said 32% of stress they feel comes from financial pressure. I think this is an old survey because some people said 10% came from children. Any of you have children? You have grandchildren? Can you say Amen. Then 7% of those surveyed said health issues, sicknesses in their bodies, produce them, in them some stress. I know this is an old survey, because only 5% of people said that their marriage contributed stress to them. And I do far too much pastoral counseling about marriages. I know that number is probably 55, but let's move on. <laughs> Children say 5% of those surveyed said parents cause them stress. 5% of the people surveyed said that they have no stress. And those were the dead people that were surveyed. <laughs> and then 19% said they have little stress. Now, I don't know how you measure up to that and where that ranks with you, but, but we all have issues of stress that we need to get a grip on. Can I get an amen? And some people handle stress in different ways. 40% of women surveyed said that the time that stress comes into their life, they're prone to eat chocolate. I love those kinds of stress-releasing chocolates. But there's, there's all kinds of ways that, that we address it, and many times it can be detrimental to us if we don't allow ourselves to come under the greatest release of stress there is, and that is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say Amen. Among all the advice, and there's a lot of good advice out there, you ought to eat right, you ought to exercise, you ought to manage your time, and there's a lot of wonderful advice out there to help us with stress management. But the greatest stress reliever, if you will, is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, your prayer life, your Bible reading, your relationship with those around you, and allowing the peace of God to capture your life. 
I like what it says in the Word. In Psalm 29 and 11, the Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Can you say amen? I like what Isaiah says about the Lord and what He will do for His people concerning stress. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Can you say amen to that? And then Jesus Christ Himself, our teacher, says, John 14 and 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as this world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The world's solution to peace or to stress relief can only be temporary. And some of the world's solution can get you more stress after you get caught. Well, I'll preach on anyhow. But there is this thing about God and the Word, if we can get a grip on it, that will help us to deal with stress. You know, it's one thing to know the promises of God for our lives and something else to possess them. And many of us have a head knowledge about what God says He wants to do for us. And we are grateful for the promises, but many times far too few of us are possessors of the promise. It's one thing to have a prescription drug that you need in your cabinet at home that the doctor recommended for you and that you have available to you. It's one thing to have it there, but it's something else to consume it and let it do the work in you. That's when you become a possessor of it. And I would pray the Lord this morning that all of us that have any kind of stress would move from being a knowledgeable person of the promise alone and start being a possessor. Can I get another amen? So you're in Psalm 37. Let me give you some truths. And they're all based on we making a decision to get a grip on stress. The first thing I see is that we should decide not to fret. And Psalm 37 and 1 says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Brothers and sisters, one of the most dangerous things you and I can do when stress comes into our lives is to fall into this comparison mode. I mean that when you are in despair and you wonder where God is and why is my marriage falling apart and why are my kids uh, so indifferent or rebellious or why have I lost my job or what's going on in my body? One of the first things Satan would do in those times of stress is to get you to look at some heathen sinner, somebody out there, that's living like the devil and making it with money and family and health. That's one of the most dangerous things you can do. Because when you fall into comparison like that, you become more vulnerable to the lies of the devil. You know, I've had people say to me, Pastor, since I got saved or since I read my Bible more or come into church more or I started practicing the discipline of tithing and giving like the Lord said, Pastor, since I've been serving the Lord, my life has gotten like hell on earth. And it's been terrible. And it's like they want me to say, okay, go back and sin. Jesus failed you. Come on and help me here, somebody. 
I'm telling you, whether you serve God or not, you are going to have issues. But what the devil does is tend to magnify your issues because you're a child of God in order to get you to compare and possibly backslide. That's why the Bible says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor compare yourself with them. To compare and to fret is to be anxious and full of worry and to be one who complains all the time. It's not on the screen, but you have your scriptures available. Please turn to Psalm 73. I want to show you something the Holy Spirit showed me. And I hope it blesses you about this issue of deciding not to fret. Psalm 73, written by a servant of God who almost backslide, almost gave up on God when stress began to infiltrate his life. Psalm 73, verse 2, if you're there, say amen. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. I almost backslide. Verse 3. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4. For there are no pangs or no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor do they, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Look at verse 7. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. And we look at that. We look at the Hollywood celebrities and we look at the baseball and football and athletic type of celebrities. And we look at all these people who have a prominence in our culture. And the more and more I live in the culture, the more and more I realize we're making heroes of some of the most undeserving people. But nonetheless, we look at that. They get the fat checks and they get the fast cars and they get the big houses and they get the fancy clothes and they get to be in the limelight and they get to be on TV. And we're sitting there looking, Lord, they have everything that I, I, I don't even want everything they want. I just want a little bit. How come they're prospering and I'm suffering? And the argument goes on. Verse 8, they scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. You ever seen that? Uh, people curse God, swear against God, mock God. I mean, on primetime TV and talk show, laugh and mock at God and Christianity. And they're getting away and we think to ourselves, just like this person writing. Verse 12, please skip down to verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. And here's what this writer determines in his weak moment. Verse 13. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. You know what he means by that in today's vernacular? Surely I got saved in vain because it ain't helping me. I've cleansed my heart in vain. Surely I've washed my hands from the things of the world and the flesh and the devil in vain. Because the more I've given up for God, the more attack I get from Satan is what he's thinking. And he thinks further and he says in verse 14, For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Oh, but like the choir sang, Hold on a little bit longer. That's not the end of the story. Because God doesn't mind you asking questions. God doesn't mind you getting frustrated along the way. Just be sure that you don't go so far that you estrange your relationship with the one who loves you the most. Just be sure that you don't go so far and join the devil's side and he gets you where he wants you. 
Because in verse number 16, the answer begins to come. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood how God is the great equalizer. Can somebody say amen? When I went to church and I heard the preaching and I heard the singing and I saw people testify, they've been through hell and back like I have. They've been through cancer and back. They've been through financial loss. They've been through divorce. But somehow they got a smile on their face and fire in their eyes and a spring in their step because they have come to understand that even though God allows you to go through the fire, He will not let you be consume because if God is for you, who in the world can ever be against you? Somebody praise the Lord. That's why we come to church. So we can be built up and know the word of God. Look at verse 18. Surely you set them in slippery places. He's understanding God's going to judge, judge the unjust. You cast them down to destruction. Now, now hear me just a moment. I know there sometimes I'm thinking, Lord, how long, oh how long, oh Lord, that you're going to let the vile, the profane, the mocker, and the blasphemer get away. How long are you going to let the molester and the robber and the cheat and etc. etc. How long are you going to let them get away? But I've come to understand it's not my business to be God. Help me out here, somebody. I've tried helping out God many occasions and he just slapped, refused my help. And thank God he did because you'd be in a mess because you'd have gotten rid of some of us and I'd have gotten rid of some of you. But thank God he's God. He said in verse 19, oh, how they are brought to desolation in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terror. God, you're going to judge the unjust. I'm not praying condemnation on the world. I'm just saying if you keep mocking God, you'll keep living in sexual sins. If you keep taking the Bible and trying to make it justify abortion, if you keep taking the Bible and trying to make it legitimize same-sex marriage, and thank God in the state of Maine, 53% of the voters this past week voted down same-sex marriage because the Word of God teaches against it. And if people, our government and others, keep taking the Word of God or refusing the Word of God, or when they take it, they twist it, then God is going to be the judge. But as for you and I, oh, my, 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 my. Look at verse 28 of the same chapter. It is good for me to draw near to God. Say amen. I have put my trust in the Lord God and I may declare your works. I may not be able to change Hollywood. I may not be able to change Washington, D.C. I may not be able to change the United Nations. But it's good for me to draw near to God because God can change me and I'll be on my way to his blessing. Oh, help me, Jesus. Here's another thought that comes from this lesson. Get a grip on stress. Decide to trust the Lord. Verse 3, chapter 37. You go back, if you will, now to chapter 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed all His faithfulness. You know, it's amazing what we put our trust in at the neglect of trust in God. It's amazing how hurriedly we put our stuff, our trust in stuff and things and people... Instead of God. Now we, we trust uh, doctors. And thank God for doctors. But there's a reason why they call it practicing medicine. Look at us. We are the products of somebody's practice. 
I'm pretty much convinced that I didn't lose all my hair just because of the heredity. I think somebody gave me a bad drug somewhere. <laughs> we, we, we put our trust in lawyers. We put our trust in airline pilots. With laptops in the cockpit. Just, two pilots here this morning just wanted to... And we trust that if they miss it for a whole hour, they'll turn around and tell us that they had a heated argument. Anyhow, let me just move on. So some of us can't trust pilots, so we're going to go take the bus. We trust bus drivers. Restaurants. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I pray over my food every time I go in the restaurant. Yeah. Because you don't know what's it. It reminds me of the story I heard about this Korean boy, young man. He was hired by some American GIs during the Korean War while they were stationed there to take care of their everyday stuff. He'd shine their shoes. He'd cook their meals. He'd iron their uniform. They'd pay him something, of course. He couldn't speak English hardly. But they'd like to pull pranks on this Korean helper. They put Vaseline on the door coming into the apartment. And the, boy, the man tried to open that and he couldn't open it. Then they put a string attached to a bucket when he do open, did open the door and water would fall. They'd nail his shoes to the floor and just sit back and laugh. And he's always, always pulling pranks on him. And he was always, yes sir, yes sir. Always so kind and cordial. Never resisted one time. Just went and washed his hands, took the bucket down, mopped the floor. Got a hammer, got his shoes up. After about three or four months of that, the GIs, they said, you know, we got we to cut this out. He's a good guy. Sweeps, cooks, cleans, make the bed. Uh, we got to quit. They called him in one day. They got the feeling so bad. They said, whatever his name was, said, no more, no more pranks. And he says, you mean no more grease on the uh, door handle? No more. You mean no more bucket water on head? No more. Say, no, you mean no, no more nails shoot the floor? They said, no more. He said then, me no more spit in your soup. I'm telling you, when you go to that restaurant, the way some of you treat waiters and waitresses, the way you treat them, you better pray over your food. Matter of fact, if I go to a restaurant and see you come in, I'm looking to see if you're praying over your food. I got one eye going over here, one over here. Make sure you pray over your food. Also, I'm also looking to see what kind of beverage you order. But let me just move on right here. <laughs> it's amazing what we put our trust in, isn't it? Doctors, lawyers, pilots, bus drivers, restaurants, schools, even pastors. And yet, we fail to understand that the reason we have seeing in our eyes is because God put it there. The reason we have talking in our tongue is because God put it there. The reason we have the ticking of our heart is because God woke us up this morning. I'm talking to somebody. The reason we have walking in our feet and hearing in our ears and life in our body is because we, God, our God is faithful and we can trust Him for everything, including life and everything else we need. Somebody give the Lord a praise here. So, get a grip on stress. Decide that God is your delight. And here's what the scripture says in verse 4 of our text. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Here's another thought I'd like you to latch hold on to. To lose your joy in the time of stress is an opportunity 
for Satan to control you with deep depression. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And every one of us are the product of our decisions. Can I get a witness here? Whatever we are now, whatever we're feeling now, have to do with decisions we've made some time ago or today. We're all the products of our decisions. And in order for you to get a grip on stress, you have to make the decision to delight yourself in the Lord. Because Satan's desire is to steal your joy. I read where the American National Institute of Mental Health reports that there are 200 types of sleeping tablets available to help people sleep. I know what some of you are thinking. I need to rush out of here and get some of the other kinds because mine ain't working. (laughs) 200 types of sleeping tablets. I, I suggest to you this morning that the fastest way to get rid of stress is to praise God anyhow. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that we offer the Lord a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruits of our lips, giving thanks unto God. The word sacrifice is placed there intentionally. Sometimes when you, when you are in stress, tension, pressure, it is a sacrifice. It costs you something to praise God. And I I can't help but remember the account in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were arrested for preaching the gospel and they were beaten and incarcerated. They were beaten badly, injured, wounded, bleeding. And then they were put in shackles and chains on their wrists and on their ankles. They were put into the inner part of the prison. And we're talking, it could be an underground cave because it wasn't like prisons are today. It was very unsightly. It was very smelly. It was very, uh, uh, very much uh, uh, incarceration that was horrific. And they were placed there awaiting a possible mock trial the next morning. And at that mock trial and a mob trial, they would probably die And don't you know the first thing that the devil says to Paul and Silas? This is what you get for preaching Jesus. Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't in your life times of obedience when you started to grow deeper in the Lord, increase your prayer life, increase your church attendance, increase your giving, increase your service with your talents and your time to the church. Initially upon doing that, hasn't the devil turned up the heat to try to tell you not to do it? Uh, And then he will say, this is what you get. For doing right. And Paul and Silas could have thought to themselves if they allowed their flesh to determine their joy. Come morning, if we get out of this jail and we escape that mob, we're going to cancel our next appointment to whatever city we're going to preach and sing. We're going to get rid of whatever parchment or scripture we have from the Old Testament. Paul was a tent maker by trade and I'd go back and make tents and make a living. Because if this is what I get for serving God, 
then I think I'm better off without him. But here's the key. The Bible said at midnight, Acts 16 and 25. Oh, how many know you can have a midnight during the midday if you're under stress? huh? At midnight, oh, help me, Lord Jesus. They, Paul and Silas, prayed and sang unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Oh, mama. Let me tell you something about suffering. Sometimes, I'm going to come up down here amongst Jones. Sometimes your stress and your suffering and your pain doesn't always have to do about your maturity and your growth. Sometimes God's got somebody else looking at your life to see if you can walk the talk you've been talking. Help me preach here, somebody. Sometimes I will, you will go through the fires and the floods of adversity so somebody else can know that our God is real and they will want what we've got. Somebody praise Him. And so they began to sing at the midnight hour hymns and praises to God and the other prisoners listened. And they must have thought, what kind of God is this that these men serve? That they can sing to him even though they may be dying the next morning. And then the Bible says because there's something amazing about what praising can do. Praising can do some stuff in the heavenlies among the unseen world that you and I could never do with all of our antics or intellect. Help me preach here. Because you see the battle many times for us are unseen foes. The battle is among principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Help me preach here somebody. But oh, when you start praising God, they start singing. I don't know what they sang. Maybe they had the song Victory in Jesus. I don't know what they sang. But God gave a local earthquake it shook the jail it shook the walls it shook the iron gate it shook the bars and uh, the shackles off their wrists and off their legs and it bust open the door and God came down in the midst of some people who said I'm never going to give up on my God not only that Here's the rest of the story. The jailer comes to check and see what's going on because he realizes that if anybody escapes under his watch, he's a dead man. When he sees the jail door open, he assumes prisoners have escaped. And he pulls out his sword and he's prepared now to, to kill himself. And Paul says, hold on just a minute. Nobody has escaped. And everything is all right. Just God doing what God said he would do. And the Bible said that night, the jailer and his family took Paul and Silas home, washed their wounds, bandaged them up. They gave them something to eat that night, early in the morning. The jailer and his family went and got water baptized because sometimes what you're going through is not just about your faith, but somebody else coming to faith. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, oh, hallelujah. Let me move on here. Commit, decide to commit your way to God. That's how you handle stress. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will bring it to pass. You know what I appreciate about the Lord? I know you do too. Is that everything we go through will have an end. Yeah. I mean, it seems like some of you are going through some stuff now and you're thinking, Pastor, it may be that way for somebody else. But for me, I've been suffering for months physically. Well, Pastor, we've been wrestling with the throes of a separation that is leading to a divorce for months. 
And you come too late to tell me that it will have an end. I'm telling you that God may put you through the fire, but he will not let you be consumed. Weeping may endure for the night, and it may be several nights, but joy comes in the morning. I'm just trying to tell you, do what the choir sang. Hold on a little bit longer. Hold on because you are going to get stronger. But it comes from trusting God. Number five, decide to wait for God's time. Verse seven says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. I would have assumed that I preached on Job recently and my assumption would have been that immediately upon his sufferings, God would have delivered him. Because God himself called Job a righteous man. Am I right? Shun evil. But God allowed Satan to tempt Job because there was a wager between God and Satan. Satan says, let me afflict him. And he'll curse you. God says, you afflict him, and I guarantee you, he won't curse me. And you know the wager. Satan destroyed his livestock, his buildings, his servants, his ten children killed in a tornado. And all through that, Job kept his integrity. But all that happened in one day. The next day, or a little time after that, Satan shows up again. And he says, you know what? If you let me touch his body, you know the story. If you, let, if you let me touch his flesh, he'll curse you for sure. And God allows that. And Job stands. And I'm thinking, God, why didn't you, why didn't you help out Mr. Job on the very first day? Why didn't you, why didn't you let him go for 48 hours? Because you knew what the devil was doing. And yet God allowed a duration of time And Job waited on God's time because in the process, God is perfecting. Give me a witness, somebody. There were some things that God was refining about Job's character. And there were some things he was refining about the character of Job's friends. That could only be done with God's timing. And if you let God's time have its way in your life. If you let God, if you'll season your waiting time in God's waiting room with prayer. Give me a witness, church. Yeah. If you'll season your waiting time in God's waiting room with, with intercession and with the word of God and with the memorization of scripture and the fellowship of other believers. It's amazing how stress can be broken. Last and final thought from this text. Decide to control anger. That's a good word. Verse 8 says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Brothers and sisters, there's not a true red-blooded American in this sanctuary right now who was not drastically emotionally affected Thursday when a killer killed 13 soldiers and wounded more, 30 and more. I tell you, that kind of stuff, if you let it, can produce anger. And I'm going to be a little transparent here now, okay? So, 
I'm not really appealing for any emails, so. But I'm always. I grew up in in the culture of Trinidad, West Indies, where Islam and Hinduism were the two primary religions. And so I have I have some knowledge of Islam. And practical knowledge as well as book knowledge. And I have to be careful and you have to be careful too. But I tell you, I, I wrestle with, with potential anger against the Islamic community because I think that they are not doing enough to correct their own derelicts. So now, lest you think I'm passing judgment on this being an Islamic driven event I'm not trying to do that but I'm saying there's enough evidence for that consideration to be included in the argument it can cause anger help me hear somebody now there's all kinds of ways that we can get angry just drive in Atlanta yeah people waving at you with one finger and it ain't their their index finger Injustice, violence. What, what? Some guy was arrested this week. Ten bodies or more found in his property. Anger. The, 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 the girl, now a woman, incarcerated in the backyard for what, 18 years? Anger. Yeah, Jesus. Y'all okay? Because I'm re- dealing with some stress right now. Uh, my wife being an elementary school principal. If school principals had to deal with only the academia of their schools, they'd have excellent schools. Pastor Jeff, I kid you not, five-year-olds and six-year-olds with such anger. I kid you not, uh, uh, Chuck, they have to hold them down physically. This child from whatever, I'm talking about two or three people, Lewis, have to hold a six-year-old. And the language... What kind of thing makes you angry? And I, I, I love this body of believers as your shepherd. And I'm not going to discard anybody's pain for my illustrative purposes of this lesson. But I'm talking to people today who you've gone through a bitter divorce. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it. And he or she betrayed you either by way of adultery or fornication or just plain walked out. There's all kinds of things that make us angry. Lost your job without warning. Somebody just got promoted when you deserved it. You were there and you served the time and you have the experience. It'll make you angry. For what somebody said they were going to do and didn't do. For what somebody did and shouldn't have done. Angry because of what was done to us as a child. And we still have the nightmares. Angry because of comparisons. Bitter. Pastor, you don't know what they put me through and you're probably right. But you know what anger and bitterness and unforgiveness will do to you? It'll be anger and bitterness and unforgiveness to be like you drinking poison and hoping it'll kill the other person you're angry at. 
Did I say a mouthful there? Yeah. That's what the devil wants. He wants... He wants you to wait for your payday, your revenge day. When I see them, pastor, when I have my 15 seconds, I want to give them a piece of my mind. And you already know the danger of that, don't you? The danger of giving them a piece of your mind is that so many of us are given so many pieces of our mind that we don't have a piece left to think on. Preach, little man, I think I will. I've been angry with some of you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me rephrase that. I mean, I've been angry while you were angry on your side. <laughs> the first is true, too. Uh, oh, yeah, I've had people come to me who've been treated unfairly. And I, I was angry along with them. And, I, and the spirit of slap came over me. And I don't have no business slapping nobody. Look how big I am. I'm... But anger, unforgiveness... Fretting only causes harm to you. Please let me tell you that your prayers will be hindered. If you are harboring anger, bitterness, and resentment. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You got to leave it to the Lord today. That ex-wife, that ex-husband, that ex-boss... That whatever it is, a relationship, you gotta, you gotta live. Because if you let stress eat you up, you'll pop pills and you'll have other kinds of things that you have to do just to survive. And you won't even know if you're in the world if you keep depending on medical and other kinds of techniques to help you out. Thank God for medicine in this right place. But what you need is to leave it with Jesus today. Please stand, would you? Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, we got some decisions we're going to make at this closing prayer. The decision is, if you're not dealing with anger, it's not an issue in your life, maybe you know somebody you need to pray for. Can I get an amen here? Please, brothers and sisters, don't let anger, bitterness, wrath, unforgiveness keep you out of heaven. Do you know that's possible too? Do you know it's possible to hate and be so bitter and unforgiving until you can risk your soul. Because you as a Christian cannot be angry and pray at the same time for the person or the need. Or be angry over sin. Oh, so you can be angry and pray over sin. But I'm talking about we cannot harbor things that affect our relationship with God. Don't let anything, anybody separate you from heaven. Would you bow, please? Separate you from heaven is the last phrase I use. And now I want to ask you, are you ready for heaven? I want to ask you that if Jesus comes today, and it's quite likely that he could, would you go? I want to ask you that if your time comes to go, because some of you will take ahead, others he will come and get in the rapture. But one thing for sure is do not let anything keep you from heaven. You say, Pastor, I need the Lord for the first time or I need to come back to the Lord today. And when you pray, remember me. Hold up your hand. Hold it up for a moment. Thank you. I see numbers of hands. Hold it up just a moment. I, I want to identify and witness. You may put them down. Okay. Now I want the rest of us to look in this direction, please. I want to ask you in a moment to come and leave it here. 
I don't care if everybody comes. I want to ask you in a moment to decide by your actions that I am going to get a grip on stress or unforgiveness or anger or bitterness. And I'm going to leave from where I am. And even if I just got one step, I'm purposing that I'm not going to let Satan abuse or exploit my relationship with the Lord. I'm going to give no place to the devil. You see, you can't always go by your feelings because if you, if you go by your feelings, you would not even come to church today. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. Make a decision. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad. So just kind of openly and transparently, this is not to make anybody feel uh, in the limelight or, or, or make them feel like they're single out. But you say, Pastor, I need to leave some stress and some junk I need to get rid out of it out of my life. And I want to step forward and come for the closing prayer. Come as he plays. Come from all over. And then we're going to pray together. Just step out. Saved, unsaved. And when you raise your hands a moment ago to give, give your heart to Christ, come on out from, from among the pews now. But I don't care if couples come together. Matter of fact, I'd love it if you come. You're raising children and you have some stress. Come on for them. If you're raising grandchildren, you have some stress. If you're without a job and you have some stress. If you have some sickness, come on. Come on in Jesus' name. I'm not giving this gift away. It's Jesus that's giving it. I got to leave my, I got to leave some things, Pastor, that eat me up. And I'm not going to let it eat me up anymore. Come on. When you come, just begin to think on the things that you want to leave with the Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Before we pray, we're going to sing. Let the congregation. Those of you that come to the altar, just meditate for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Because He is all fear is gone. Grant it, Jesus. Grant it. Because I know He was the future and life. The living because he lives. Now stay with me in the altar. This is the way we're going to pray now. In front of this pulpit and on the floor level is a chest with numerous requests from our church family for prayer. You have at any time you feel the liberty to write your request, prayer request down. And we pray over it every Monday night. Man in prayer, take this prayer chest. We don't read it. It's not written to us. It's written to God. But we just put it in our hands. Because there's specific needs. I say that to those of you that are down here in the altar now. Those of you in the altar this morning. When we pray in the next few seconds, tell God specifically why you've come. Speak to your circumstance. When Jesus was on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up, the Bible said he rebuked the winds and the waves specifically. And they ceased. In a moment, I'm going to give you the chance personally to pray for yourself. God, my finances has caused me stress. I'm a caregiver and it's caused me stress. My marriage has caused me stress. God, my children, whatever you come, and it could be several things. I want you to speak to it today in the name of Jesus. Speak to it. Marriage, I give you to Jesus. 
fear, I speak against you in the name of Jesus. Any kind, whatever it is, leave it at this altar. Because you're exercising faith. But you're targeting, you're targeting the enemy. That causes you stress. And one of the things we do is just we lift up hands. If, you, if you're okay with that, lift up holding hands with me. And everybody now begin in the congregation. Begin to talk to the Lord. And talk to Him loud enough so that you can hear yourself above a whisper. Right now, deal with the issues. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come with this church this morning and I bind through the blood of Jesus and His Word. The stress-filled, stress-causing circumstances in our lives. Lord, there are many men and women in this altar today who are wrestling and fighting and Satan would have them to give up. But I pray the power of God. Come on, keep praying. Hold on. I pray the power of God upon them now. I pray power to overcome fear, bitterness, anger. I speak against it, Lord. I speak against the demons and the devils of hell that tell them that God doesn't care and that He has forgotten them. I speak against it in Jesus' name. I speak against, oh God, the lives of other people around us that's contributing to our stress. I pray that You would save those people. Say Amen. I pray that You would, oh God, turn them around. But I pray that we would not exercise any emotions of the flesh that estrange us from you. God, somebody here needs a miracle of healing from a long past hurt in Jesus' name. Oh God, somebody here has lost their song. They have lost their desire to be in the house of God regularly. But I pray this morning that you would let the Holy Spirit resurrect life in them. And God, if there's any captivity here... Like drugs and alcohol and addiction. Come on, pray with me, church. If there's anything that, is, that I'm at fault about as to why I can't get my prayers answered, I ask you to forgive me. Come on, church. Father, there are people here this morning who need to be born again. And I pray in Jesus' name. And if you are one of those, ask the Lord right now to forgive your sins. If you're one of those, say, God, I am sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for failing you. I'm sorry for knowing right but doing wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. In the name of Jesus, wash us and cleanse us by your blood. And Father, I believe that that we'll see things differently today because of faith that we've demonstrated. I praise you for it. And I praise you for your deliverance to us. In Jesus' name. Could you say amen? I wonder if you'd put your hands together with me one more time and praise the Lord. Come on, help me praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, my, my, my. Now, I know it may be a little odd for you, but, but I, want, I just feel like to go a little further. Could you just touch somebody on the shoulder on either side of you here and there and pray for them right now? Could you pray for somebody? God might even use you to change their destiny. Whatever you're feeling... They may be feeling, but say, go ahead, say it in Jesus' name. God, I don't even know this person. Or maybe you do. But Lord, this is my brother. This is my sister. Oh God, Lord, I, I want to strengthen them. Come on. Lord, would you heal their bodies? Would you bless their minds? Would you protect them from danger? Lord, I pray that you would bless them financially. I pray you'd bless if they have children, and if they have grandchildren, bless them. Whatever storm they're in, speak to their storms. Oh God, I pray you'd strengthen marriages right now. 
I pray, oh God, that you would strengthen relationships. I pray, God, that you would break addictions and bondages because of our prayers. We praise you and worship you, Jesus. Can you sing that again? Because he lives. Stay with me and let's sing it one more time. Now lift our hands to him. Testify. Thank you, Jesus. I can face tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Because he lives. I worship you, Lord. All fear. I thank you that it's gone. one more nugget okay and then I'll let you go blessed is the preacher who knows when to quit this is Psalm 37 just one more nugget for you when you go home you should read the whole psalm but, but listen to Psalm 37 we only stopped at verse 8 but verse 23 the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways listen to more though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand I like this part too I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless us all. Have a wonderful day.